Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. You are a busy entrepreneur architect. You're hustling to find the next project, meet with clients, keep the bills paid, and if you're lucky, maybe find some time to design. So how do you continue to learn what you need to know to grow? How do you find the information and the training you need to become more effective, more efficient, more successful? I know you're busy because I too am an entrepreneur architect. That's why we built the Entree Architect membership. On the first Wednesday of every month, we invite an expert into the academy and they teach us about one specific topic on how to succeed at business. 60 minutes each month, live training and Q&A. Then you can get right back to work. And when you're a member, you gain access to so much more. Unlimited access to business resources, a video library, a private member forum with hundreds of entrepreneur architects just like you. Everything you need to build a better business is available right now at Entree Architect. Subscribe today at entrearchitect.com slash join. My name is Mark R. LePage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast where each week I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise, all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. This is episode 285, and this week we're talking about managing a healthy mindset for successful sales with Scott Bliss of Sandler Sales Training. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our platform sponsors, RCAT, the online resource delivering quality building material information, CAT details, BIM, specifications, and so much more at RCAT.com, FreshBooks, the cloud-based accounting software 
that makes running your small firm easy, fast, and secure, spend less time on accounting, and more time doing the work you love. And Gusto, easy payroll, benefits, and HR, built for the modern small business. Scott Bliss, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Thank you, Mark. Glad to be here. It's great to have you here, Scott. Uh, Scott Bliss is an award-winning and certified Sandler trainer and is recognized as a business development expert specializing in executive sales consulting and sales productivity training. Scott is a dynamic, enthusiastic uh, speaker who informs, entertains, and motivates presidents, CEOs, sales leaders, sales professionals, everybody who needs some information about sales. Uh, in 2016, Scott founded Maximum Performance Management, LLC, and authorized Sandler Training Center. Scott has uh, helped many executives, managers, and sales professionals triumph over the challenges that inhibit their success and take their sales to the next level. With 250 offices worldwide, Sandler is the global leader in sales and sales management training. So, Scott, I just shared a little tidbit about who you are and what you do. Um, it is tradition here at the Entree Architect podcast to to dive a little bit deeper into into our guests' origins. Uh, share a little bit about your origin story. Where did you discover your passion for what you do today? And give us a little story about that point to where you are today. Absolutely. Thanks, Mark. So uh, I spent uh, 25 plus years in in sales, both as a bag carrying sales representative and account executive through sales management, through vice president of sales opportunities throughout my career, always working for um, either small to mid-sized companies or very large corporations. And I spent the last 13 years of my corporate career working for Fortune 500 companies that spent a lot of money on different sales training uh, programs for the sales force. And that's where I found my passion. I, I really was like a sponge and all these techniques and behaviors and attitudes that were taught to us, I really saw how they, they benefited not only my, my own efforts, but the efforts of my team. And I, I got to a point where I started enjoying teaching how to sell just as much and getting just as much of a kick out of that versus bringing in revenue for our organizations. And I wanted to combine my passions of teaching, uh, helping others be successful, and becoming an entrepreneur and owning my own business. And Sandler Training gave me that opportunity to to do both. Can you talk a little bit about Sandler? We've had Sandler trainers on before. Rochelle Carrington was on several, a couple years ago, actually. Um, that was episode 112, How to Face Your Fear of Selling. Um, can you talk a little bit about Sandler and what Sandler is and how it works? Absolutely. Uh, Rochelle's great. I know her very well. Um, she's actually a coach of mine. Uh, I speak with her every couple of weeks. And uh, while she's no longer in her Sandler business, she does work with many Sandler people like myself. So, you know, I, I told you I was, uh, I had the luxury of, of being put in front of several different training programs throughout my my corporate career. And when I made my decision to, to literally buy my own business, after interviewing with Sandler and taking their classes and learning their program, I really felt like their, not only their materials were second to none, 
with their delivery methods, the way they go about doing it. And, and, and most sales training companies out there focus on the latest and greatest sales techniques, right. the latest closing techniques, uh, sales ninja, right? Uh, the alternate choice close and, and different types of closing techniques. And what Sandler does is they're, they're really the only company out there that I know of that focuses not only on great techniques, but the right attitude and mindset and the right behavioral plan. So I can give you an example and I can tell you techniques are great. Sandler techniques are great as well, but they will only work for so long. They will only work for as long as you believe that they're working and that you practice them and that you commit to them. So the psychology behind it uh, and the mindset that you develop when utilizing these techniques is, is, is really a huge proponent of the system. Yeah, and let's let's talk about mindset a little bit. Um, I, my friend Paul Rugarber introduced us. Uh, Paul and I went to school together. We're we're longtime friends. He's also one of the facilitators in our membership, the Entree Architect membership. Um, and uh, and you're working with Paul with his business and doing some of the helping him uh, succeed with his business. And he's doing a great job over there. Um, and I know Paul very well, and, and Paul's a mindset guy. He loves yeah. mindset. Um, and I'm sure that's a big piece of the reason he is so successful. Can you talk about that idea from a, from a Sandler point of view on, on how important that mindset is and what type of mindset and uh, maybe some ideas on how people who are not in this. I think a lot of architects are afraid to even go there with sales. And so there's a sh mindset shift they need to make, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Because, you know, to many industries, uh, sales may be a, 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 a dirty word, right? Oh, no, what's this person going to try and sell me now? What right. Jedi mind trick are they going to do on me? And, and, and really, ultimately, uh, the Sandler mindset is that of this is we're not trying to sell you anything. What we're trying to do is uncover uh, a pain that you have or a need that you have and, and offer a solution to your need and nothing else. We're not trying to upsell you. We're not trying to sell you something that you don't need. Uh, we're not trying to sell you add-ons. We're trying to solve your problem, solve your pain. And that's the first step. So the mindset really is, uh, it's okay. You don't have to look at yourself as a salesperson, but you do have to look at yourself as um, someone that has a lot to offer um, and, and really equal business stature. Because why are people calling an architect? They want your knowledge. Right. They want something from you. They want your vision. They want your thoughts. They want your ideas. And most of the time, they're going to try and pull that out of you um, without paying you. Right. So you have to that have happens the mindset. All the time. Happens yep. all the time. We called. We have a word for that in 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 Sandler. It's called unpaid consulting. So the mindset that you have to have is you're not an unpaid consultant. You are a. You have to have equal business stature. You're on the same level as your prospects, as as the people you're speaking with. They want something from you. You're willing to give it to them, but before you give it to them, you have to get certain things from them. Um, their job is to gather as much information from you as possible for free, yet your job is to gather as much information as possible from them to make sure that the time you spend with them is worth your time, your effort, your resources. 
Right. So as architects, we should be going through a, a process of sales, that there should be uh, something that we do right up front when that first initiation comes through. When, when your marketing system turns into your sales system, right, you, you've gotten that lead, that lead has decided to contact you. And at that moment, your sales system starts, right? The sales process starts. And so Absolutely. Um, as, there, we should be doing specific things and asking specific questions at that moment, whether that is an email that's coming in or whether um, it's a telephone call or even a text in these days where, you know, where people are starting to contact us by text. Um, and then after you have that pre-interview, however you do it uh, with that initial contact, then there's another step where you're setting up a meeting or you're doing something else after that. And then after that, there's a follow-up, right? So there's this, these three steps, these big pieces of, of a sales process. Can you maybe walk us through um, that first, let's say it's a telephone call um, and somebody gives us a, uh, a call and says, okay, I need, I'm, in a, I'm a homeowner. I have a, a, a need for a new kitchen. And they have a specific uh, idea of what they're looking for and they're calling us. Um, what are some things that we should be doing from a big picture with that initial phone call? Sure. Great question. Um, I'm glad you asked. Uh, you know, typically I think the, the main objective of, of a phone call of talking to somebody on the phone is to get enough information to figure out if it's worthwhile to, to make an appointment with that person. Because typically you're not going to sell a job over the phone. Would you agree with that Absolutely. statement? Correct. Right. right. So the purpose of the phone call, that initial conversation, is to schedule an appointment. At the same time, though, you want to set the expectation of what's going to happen at that appointment. Because you can go to that appointment and uh, the prospect can uh, ask you a bunch of questions, really pick your brain about things. And, and most people, they want to be nice. They 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 want to win this potential opportunity, so they're gonna they're gonna answer the questions, and then ultimately, uh, time's up and the meeting's over, and you leave that meeting feeling less than fulfilled because you answered all their questions, but you didn't get all the the answers to your questions that you needed to ask answered because you let them take control of the meeting. Yeah. So it's the job of the architect in this case to really take control of the meeting, of the entire process. You're still gonna answer their questions, uh, but before you just answer all their questions, you're gonna make sure you set the tone. So I know Rochelle in the past had did a little bit of, uh, of training with, with some uh, Entree Architect folks on something called an upfront contract. That initial phone conversation is the best place to start utilizing the upfront contract, and the upfront contract typically has five elements to it. The first element is the time. So Mark, it's uh, great great to schedule an appointment with you and I look forward to meeting you on Tuesday at two o'clock. Uh, typically my meetings take about an hour, Mark. Is, is an hour good for you? Right, yeah. Great, so at the meeting, um, you know, you're gonna have a lot of questions for me, such as the services we provide, um, what the, our process looks like, and what the architectural process is, and we'll be more than happy to, to answer those questions for you. I'm also gonna have many questions for you, Mark. I'm gonna wanna know ex your vision, what you foresee, what you wanna do. I might ask you some uh, construction budget questions. Um, I'm gonna ask you if you already have a contractor that you're, you're working with, 
Uh, I'm going to ask you if you're talking to any other architects. Uh, and uh, the only thing I ask is at the end of our meeting, we decide together, Mark, if you're comfortable, if you think we're a good fit to continue the conversation and move on to the next step. Is that okay with you? Yeah, that's that's perfect. So, so, um, so you want to establish a time. You want to establish um, the services and the process that you're going to go through. So you're setting expectations essentially, right? So what this sure. meeting is going to uh, uh, include, you want to, and then you want to set additional expectations of what you're going to be asking of them. That um, you you acknowledge that they're going to be asking you questions. You want to also be able to ask them questions and give them a little bit of heads up that these are the things that we're going to talk about at this meeting. Um, yep. And set the expectation that at the end of that meeting, um, you know, we'll probably have enough information to uh, make a decision on whether we want to go to another step. Not necessarily a sale, right. uh, but the next step, whatever that next step might be. Um, that's very important. And so... There's also before we even get to this, right? There, there. You had said earlier that that we want to make sure that it's in that initial phone call that it's even somebody that we want to have that meeting with. Right. So the the goal is to have the meeting, but to have the meeting with the right people, because you don't right. want to have meetings with people who are not really your ideal client. That's just a waste of time for everybody. Um, and so, is there? A, a good way to ask the questions up front in that phone call to sort of filter out the people who are the right people to go down this path and the other people uh, that you don't want to go through the path through that process with. And if they're not the right people, how do you maneuver that? Because I, I think a lot of architects meet with people they're not supposed to meet with or, or shouldn't meet with because they're afraid to say, I, no, you're not the right client for us. Mm, got it. So it's a mindset thing that that they they don't want to upset the client. Right. Um, conversely, when the when the client, or in this case, the prospect, says to you, Mark, thanks for taking the hour to come and and see me, and thank you for all the information. Uh, when my husband gets home later, we're going to sit down and discuss uh, our next steps and uh, we'll get back to you. Right. Um, and sometimes you may never hear back from that person. And you, the architect doesn't really think of himself as a salesperson. So they might say, you know what, if they're not calling me back, then I'm not going to call them. Right. And, it, and then basically you wasted that hour of, of your time uh, and you don't even have an outcome. Right. So. And the and reason being is you're not giving the prospect permission to tell you no if they don't think they're, you're a good fit for them. Yeah, and that's important, right? That The idea of, of getting to, to know as soon as possible. If, in fact, um, the answer is going to be no at the end, right? Um, you want to get yeah. to that no as soon as possible. And that sounds a little bit in, counterintuitive, right? That we're, that we're working to try to get to a no. Um, or yes, but you want, if, if you know, if everybody in the room knows that the answer is going to be no, let's get to that no now so we can both get on right. with our, with our lives. Right. Yeah. And you can set that expectation in the upfront contract. So remember I said, um, you know, at the end of the meeting, Mark, we can sit down and discuss if you think we're a good fit for one another. Right. And you can even add to that. And if, by the way, um, if you don't think we're a good fit, it's perfectly okay to let me know. 
uh, you will not hurt my feelings. Yeah. When would you? What are your thoughts about referring other architects at that moment? Like if you were through, through that process and you don't feel it's a good fit, should you refer somebody else? If you know of somebody, you're you're performing a a great service for um, for that person. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely, um, because you might find out in your qualification questions, your brief questions over the phone, you might say, "Well, tell me a little bit, a little bit about what you're looking to do." Oh, well, we're really to, we're looking to uh, you know rip up the linoleum floors and replace it with tile. We're looking to put in some some recessed lighting. We're we're replacing all the appliances. We may knock down a wall or two, and uh, you know, expanding it a little bit. Um, the kitchen is connected to the dining room. And uh, we just want to make it one large kitchen. We don't really use the dining room. And at some point, you might be saying to yourself, none of that is scary. All of that sounds simple. And you'll, you might want to use a technique that we call negative reverse selling, which is something we teach in, in our training classes. And you might say, you know, based on what you just explained to me that you want to do, um, you know, you might not even need an architect. Can I ask, uh, you know, what made you reach out to us? Because I'm not sure you need our services. Right. Can you ever imagine yourself saying that? I mean, totally excusing yourself from the scenario because they might not need your services. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, so what what's the advantage of that? Other than I mean, would it is it because uh, would you still would would you be looking to still have, make the sale or is that a way to extract yourself from the, from the client potential? Uh, both. What if I told you both? Would that confuse you? Yeah, um, it would. It's both because, and I'll tell you why it's both because number one, um, if that's all they're willing to do and you really don't believe that they need an architect for that, um, you might ask them, why is it that you think you need an architect for that? And whenever you ask somebody a question instead of just answering a question, we call that a reversing technique. Mm -hmm. um, they always further define the true intent of their question, right? So when you say something to the effect of why, why is it that you think you need an architect? Oh, well, uh, I spoke with the builder and these are, you know, load bearing walls and there's beams that have to be moved and this and that. And, and I was told when it starts getting that intricate um, that we should really get an architect. Right. So you're, you're just getting more information. Your job is to gather more information, really, to see how um, worthwhile it's going to be for you. Right. So, and so you don't necessarily have to do that on the phone. You can do that at the in-person meeting as well. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's where I want to go now is, is that so in that initial contact, you're you're gathering some information. You're setting some important expectations. Uh, you're getting a commitment that at the end of this, we're going to decide to uh, make a decision on whether we go to another to the next step or not. And so we can you set that expectation that it's okay to to not proceed and there's an expectation that uh, if it's right, we are going to proceed in some fashion. And yeah. So you make that you make that commitment to meet uh, and have these dis this discussion on a certain date. And then that date comes up and you go out and have that interview and so you show up at the at the let's say it's a, the residential client with a kitchen project. Um, mm -hmm. you, you ring the doorbell and then, so what are we, what's the goal of that meeting? Yeah. So, you know, the first thing you do after the initial, you know, greetings and salutations, Hey, nice to meet you. Um, is, uh, you reiterate that upfront contract that you established on the phone. 
so you basically say, you know, Mark, nice to meet you. Mark, on the phone, we discussed that this would take about an hour. Are we still good with that time? Right. Yep. Okay, good. Um, so when we were on the phone, I know, I know you're going to have a lot of questions for me. Um, and, and I think many of your questions, Mark, are going to be answered uh, when I go through with you the architectural process that I, that I have here. Um, so we'll get through that. Uh, and then any additional questions you have that aren't answered by that, we can, I'd, I'd be happy to answer. We can talk in a little bit more detail. Um, before we go through the architectural process, I know I'm going to have a few more questions for you uh, first. Uh, and then uh, at the end of the hour, or if we finish early, great, no problem. Uh, I'm going to ask you your thoughts and if you think that uh, we're a good fit to continue the conversation. And uh, you'll say yes or no. And we'll figure out what's next from there. Sound good? Yeah. So, so you, so you go through that same process that you did in in the first phone call to remind yeah. them, because maybe this is a week or two later. Yeah. Um, so now you're in in person. Go through that same questioning up front, setting expectations yeah. for the meeting, um, limiting the time. Why is it important to limit the time, or is it just a matter of setting the expectation? It's not about the limit, or is it about the limit? Uh, it's not necessarily about the limit. The the thing with the time, though, is, and I don't know how long your traditional um, first-time meetings take. So if they take 90 minutes, then set yeah. it for 90 minutes. But the yeah. reason why you want to at least set a time or clarify that the, the amount of time that you scheduled still works is because you don't want to fall into the trap of uh, mutual mystification, which basically means dueling uh, agendas. Um and unmet expectations. So you don't want to begin the meeting off by answering all their questions. Um, and then they say, when it's time for you to start asking your questions, after you ask one or two, then they say, right. Mark, thanks for coming. I don't mean to be rude, but I really got to cut this short. Yeah, I only have a Something half hour like for this. Yeah. Right. So then you, you leave there and you're like, you're kicking the wheels of your tire, your car, the tires of your car saying, I had all these great questions prepared. I didn't even get a chance to answer, to ask them. Right, right. Okay, so so you're setting expectations again uh, for both of you, for them, yeah. so they understand that this isn't going to be a two-hour meeting, that yep. I'm leaving in an hour, and uh, and so whatever questions we have, we need to fit them in that hour, um, but it also allows you to, uh, to, to protect mm -hmm. yourself that you won't have enough time to go through the process for, for, your, for your sales process. There's no greater time to ask questions that you need answered while they still want something from you. They want something from you. They want your expertise. Ultimately, they either want your expertise or they want your pricing because they want to be able to compare you to the next guy that they're going to talk to. Right. So they want something from you. So if you give it to them first, you may not get what you need. So before you give it, make sure you get what you need first, yeah. right? Because they're going to give it to you because they want something from you. Right, right. And right. So, so, so that, that's, that's a good point to bring up money. So many architects don't like don't like talking about money and so they'll sort of they'll just wait until the very end and they'll send a proposal with the amount on it and they won't ever discuss it up front 
when is the right time to bring up fee? Is, is there any discussion in that in that upfront contract that we should be talking about fees and expectations on fees, or are we waiting until we have that meeting? Yeah. Um, well, I don't necessarily know if you have enough information yet to talk about it on the phone, right. because the purpose of the phone consultation really is to get in front of them. Okay. All right. So um, you want to get in front of them, and at some point during the conversation, after you find out exactly what their vision is, what their needs are, what they're looking for, you, you might not necessarily have to come with a pinpoint exact quote, right. but you might want to give them a ballpark. Yeah. And, you know, if, if they say, uh, well, Mark, um, we've talked to a couple of builders, and uh, we know that this is going to cost upwards of $500,000. Well, we're talking about a kitchen, right? So I don't know what a kitchen would yeah. cost. Let's say 100000 right? Yeah, yep. Um, um, so, um, you know, typically architectural fees on top of that are, you know, roughly uh, $7 a square foot, $5 a square foot, whatever your, your price range is. So you might be able to say, um, you know, Mark, typically you're probably looking at about four or $5,000 um, fee here for the architecture. Um, should we continue the conversation? Right. And so, so give them, so that's happening in this conversation. If upfront, you know, they, it's not in the initial conversation. It's it, it's at the in-person meeting and, uh, and, and that's happening after you get your full scope. So you fully understand what the project is. Yeah. They understand the services you provide then you start talking a little bit about money in terms of ballparks and basically say, okay, this is the range that this project could potentially um, could cost you. And that's yep. important. And we do that. And, and we do it specifically for the reason you, you, you said, I want to make sure that, that again, I'm setting expectations. That's so important all the way through this process that we're setting expectations that I don't, again, I don't want to waste my time on the next step or pre preparing a proposal if yeah. the client is is not uh, prepared to pay the fees that we're 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 going to propose, and it allow it also sets the expectation for what the project is going to cost because maybe they don't know what the project is going to cost. Yeah, and and uh, and that might be the end of the conversation when you tell them how much it potentially could cost because maybe they were thinking half of that. And, yep. You know, if that's the case, well, I have to go and reconsider my whole project here. Yep. But also the fact that and some of the some of the preliminary questions that you might want to ask. And by the way, you should go into every meeting and, and I'm I'm sure, you know, most of your folks do this. You should go into every meeting with a notebook and a pen, not only to take notes, but you should have your list of questions written down because uh, that shows you're prepared. Number one. Number two, it makes sure that you get a chance to ask all those questions and you don't forget any because they're written down right there. And, and some of the questions that you might ask um, is, uh, have you ever dealt with an architect before? Have you ever had a project with an architect before? Yeah. And, and, and that's, not, that's not an uncomfortable question to ask. When it starts getting uncomfortable, you might wanna ask the question of, um, so for this project, have you met with any other architects? That's kind of like an uncomfortable question to ask, right? Yeah. But don't you want to know what their mindset is, what they're looking for? And if they, they may lie because we know that prospects lie because they don't like to be sold. People like to buy 
They like to use services. They want your services, but they don't want to be sold them. They want to make a decision to choose you and, and, and buy your services if they think it's a good fit. And so, but if you say, are you dealing with any other architects for this project? And if they say yes, you might want to then ask a question of, okay, when you choose the architect that you're going to move forward with, can you tell me a little bit about what you're looking for? What are the attributes that you're looking for in the architect that you choose to go with? Right. And, That's and such an important question and, and probably a question that many of us are not asking uh, both of those questions. Are you talking to other architects? And if so, what are you looking for? Uh, what answers are you looking for? What, what attributes are you looking for? Um, how is how will the right fit? How will you know the right fit when you see it or feel it? Yeah. Um, what are the things that you're looking for in an architect? Those are those are great answers to have. And, and I would never, as as the architect, I would never bring up price. But when you ask that question, when you make your decision, what are the most important attributes? And if the client says, "Well, you know, we're looking for somebody that that we like, that we connect with," but you know, more importantly, we're you know, we don't have a lot of extra money for this project, so price is very important. Yeah. And if you already know that you're not the cheapest, right? Do you ever hear the, the the race to the bottom? Yeah, absolutely. Right? I don't want to win that race, do you? No. Right? So if you know that price is the biggest thing they're looking for and you know you don't want to play in that market and if it's price and price alone, you're not going to win, you may disqualify them. Right. And you may say something to the effect of, listen, I, I got to let you know, if, if price is the most important thing for you, uh, I'm not the lowest. I'm certainly not the highest, but I am not the lowest. So um, if price is the biggest thing, I, I'm not so sure where we're a good fit for each other. Right, right. And it's perfectly okay to say that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's the right thing to do for everybody. We will be right back to our conversation after this quick break to say thank you to our platform sponsors here at Entree Architect, RCAT, Gusto, and FreshBooks. So your boss asks you to put together the CAD details for your firm's next project. So what do you do? What's the next step? Is it using a basic internet search? Do you Google it and only to find out that there's a bunch of outdated or incompatible details available? Grabbing the details from your latest project, the last project, and, and hoping that they fit? Well, there is an easier, faster, less stressful way to get the information you need. Yes, it's our friends at RCAT, RCAT.com. RCAT is the number one most used website for finding building product information and has over 15,000 CAD details ready for you based on real manufacturers' products. They're not outdated. They're all up to date. They're all what you need. They are waiting for you, waiting for you to search for them and find them on RCAT. Use their powerful search engine to find the right files for your project. And best of all, this is the best part. It's free. You don't even have to register. You don't even need to give them your email address. It's just there waiting for you. Go to RCAT.com. That's A-R-C-A-T.com and start building better content. So do you remember when you started your small firm? It was no small feat, right? It took lots of late nights, early mornings, and maybe even an occasional all-nighter. The bottom line is you've been insanely busy ever since. 
So why not make things a little bit easier? Well, our friends at FreshBooks has a solution for you. FreshBooks invoicing and accounting software is designed specifically for small business owners like us. It's simple, it's intuitive, and it keeps you way more organized than the dusty shoebox filled with crumpled receipts. Create and send professional-looking invoices in 30 seconds and then get them paid two times faster with automated online payments. File expenses even quicker and keep them perfectly organized for tax time. And the best part, FreshBooks grows alongside your business, so you'll always have the tools that you need when you need them without ever having to learn the ins and outs of accounting. Join the 24 million people who've used FreshBooks. Try it for free right now. Try it for free for 30 days. No catch, no credit card. Visit entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks. That's entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks and enter entrearchitect in the how did you hear about us section to get started. Payroll and benefits. Ah, those are two words that make my spine itch. (laughs) Payroll and benefits are hard, especially when you're a small business, a small firm owner like us, right? You don't have the time to be an expert in things like taxes and regulations. And the old school payroll providers, they just aren't built for the way that we work today. Gusto is making payroll and benefits and HR easy for small businesses. Modern technology does all the heavy lifting for us, so it's easy to get it right. You no longer have to be a big company to get great technology, great benefits, and great service for your team. To help support our show, the Entree Architect podcast, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited time deal. Sign up today and you'll get three months for free once you run your first payroll. Just go to entrearchitect.com slash gusto, entrearchitect.com slash G-U-S-T-O slash G-U-S-T-O and claim your free three months of payroll processing now. That's entrearchitect.com slash gusto. RCAT, Fresh Books and Gusto. Please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Andre Architect community. So what's 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 our goal with this meeting? With because uh, we're we we're going through that same question process in the beginning. Uh, we're going through the process of of dis- discovering the scope, potentially talking about fees. Um, what are we ultimately looking for at the end of that meeting? A yes. A no or a referral. Ultimately, uh, that's what you want uh, or or next steps. So at some point during your and this whole time, by the way, the way you're communicating with them, you're building that bonding and you're building that rapport. And we teach in our classes uh, how to differentiate yourself with bonding and rapport, because anybody can go into um, somebody's house and see a picture on the wall or talk about the furniture and how beautiful it is. Any other architect can do that. But what we teach in our our communication classes and our bonding and rapport is how to uh, understand their personality style, their profile, how to adapt your style to match their, how to match and mirror their posture. Uh, and and really adapt to them because at the end of the day, when people make buying decisions, they buy from people they like and they buy from people who are like them. So we take it a, a step further 
other than just the commonalities that you can see from pictures on the wall um, things like that so it's really all about communication so um, the, but the biggest thing is you uh, you want to end the meeting and say um, so what's next uh, I went through the process with you I gave you uh, some ballpark figures of what this could cost um, what else do you need to from us are there any other questions you may have? Um, what are next steps? So are we, we want to understand what next steps are. So are so are we proposing at that point, if it's a project we want, um, are we proposing to prepare a proposal for them? And is that the yes, no, or referral? Is 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 the yes? Do you want me to prepare a proposal for this project? Is that the question that you're looking for a yes for? Uh, yes or. Yes, do you want us to prepare, prepare a proposal? Are you comfortable with us as your architect of choice? Um, it's number one. Number two could be, from your perspective, Mark, what are next steps? And you might say, um, I need to speak with my wife. Um, or I need to speak with my son-in-law. Or um, I am meeting with one other architect. I'm not ready to make my decision just yet. Right, right. right? So you want to get clarity. You want to get a clear future of what's going to happen next, right? And typically, uh, the common stalls and objections you might hear is exactly what I just said. Need to talk to my wife. Need to talk to my partner. Right, need to right. talk to my kids. Need I to talk to the bank. Right? I need to talk to my builder. I want to think about it, right? So you want to be able to, to deal with those common stalls and objections. And, and, and here's the most uncomfortable question you can probably ask. When somebody says... I need to think about it or I need to talk to my wife. Understood. Um, many, many people I deal with tell me that as well. Um, now, I'm not saying this is the case with you, Mark, but a lot of times when I hear that, um, usually it's a no, but you, you might feel bad telling me no because I just came out here and spent an hour with you. Um, if, if that's the case, if I certainly don't want to put words in your mouth, but if that's what you're thinking, it's perfectly okay to tell me, no, you will not hurt my feelings. It's perfectly okay to tell me that I don't think we're a good fit. Right. Because again, you're looking to get right. to that and no. It's hard to do. Right. If the, if the, if you the, want the no versus the weeks of waiting and the follow up and the, oh my God, I really want that, that job. I uh, hope I get it. You know, hope is not a strategy. Right. 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 So you really want to, uh, make a difference with the questions you ask. And it's not, you, we teach you to do it in a way that's not pushy and overbearing. Um, we teach you to do it in a way that's really making you more effective, more efficient, and even more importantly, differentiated. Right. Because the next architect that walks in there, uh, you know, he's going to try and sell you. Uh, so you want to differentiate yourself. So you want to leave that house. And you want that homeowner to say, wow, Mark was, Mark was pretty good. He, asked me a lot of good he wasn't trying to sell me anything. He was asking me questions about my, my project, what I'm looking to do, what's important to me with a, you know, the architect that I move forward with, what are the attributes I'm looking for. Mark asked me some really good questions. And sometimes in a, a competitive situation where it's really apples to apples, it's you as the architect that's the competitive advantage. Right. It's you. Right, so they might say, oh, "I'm gonna, I wanna go with Mark. He's a little bit more money than 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 Paul, but 
I bonded with Mark. I really clicked with him. Yeah. Yeah. I like so, Mark. So, so the commitment that you're looking for is you're looking for a commitment that they want to proceed to the next step with you. Right. And that's, yeah. that's what we're looking for. So, um, and it's more than a proposal, right? You're asking them if everything works out, do you want to work with us? Is this right? There's a number of ways you can do that. It's do you see any reason based on what you heard today? Do you see any reason as to why you wouldn't want to work with us? Right. Or you might do something that we call the thermometer close, right? Which again, it's a no pressure thing, but it's a, you know, Mark, based on, based on the last hour and, and everything we discussed uh, on a scale of one to 10, one being you never want to see me again. And 10 being I'm ready to go. Let's do this. Where are we? Right. And if they say a seven, wow, seven, hmm, that's, seven's not really good, is it? What, what did I miss, Mark? What did I miss? Right, right. So right. it gives you an opportunity to go back and, and fix some of the, the issues that are causing them to not want to yeah. fully commit. Yeah, because you may explain something to them and they're embarrassed to say to you, um, Mark, I have no idea what you're talking about. Right, right. And they just yeah, nod I'm, along I'm and confused. say, uh-huh. yep. Yeah. Uh, but they don't want to embarrass themselves and say, oh, wait, I'm confused. And, you know, then you leave and you're thinking that went well. I think they're going to sign with me. And as they close the door, the wife says to the husband, you know, is it me or did Mark try and make us feel stupid? Right. Using these fancy buzzwords and this architectural lingo and, you know, um, I don't like that. I think he was trying to show us that he's better than us. Right. Right. You know. Um, so you want to get you want to have an opportunity to address some of those concerns. Yeah. By asking direct questions. Yeah, and and you want to ask if they say you're a nine, nine, wow, nine's good, nine's really good. Why not a ten? I just I don't give tens. Yeah. Yeah. And right. so it, so is the next step at that point. The meeting's over. You've got you've got a nine. Um, or maybe a 10, maybe they've committed to say, yeah, if everything works out, I'd like to pr proceed with you. Um, is, are we committing to a proposal at that point? It depends on what you mean by if everything works out, what needs to work out. You want a clear future. You want to leave there with a clear future of what the next steps are and the next steps and, and ask them. So what are your next steps? Um, yeah, you're the one, you're the guy, Mark, where, we're, we're ready to go. We want to work with you. Okay. So what happens now? Um, basically you're going to do the drawings for us. Um, we're going to give the drawings to our builder. Great. You know, I happen to have the, uh, proposal right here. Would you mind signing it? Right. And you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know your business, so I don't necessarily know what a proposal entails. But if you have something there with you that they're willing to sign to commit and maybe you get a small deposit, um, then you're good to go. Right. That's what I'm talking okay. about is, 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 a, is a document that, that commits them to us, that, that describes the process, describes the scope, describes the fee, um, and uh, you know, that they could sign and we could move forward. Yep. That's a per perfect world. Now, it may take other meetings. So they may say, uh, you know what, Mark, I think we bonded really well. I, I like everything I heard. Um, 
I'd really like to set up another meeting uh, so my wife can be here so she can understand as well. And we'll, we'll, we'll come to you. We'll come to your office, right? Um, but, you know, I'd like to bring my wife. She definitely needs to be a little bit more involved. She couldn't make it tonight. Um, uh, so if that's the case, then you set that meeting right there. You know, don't say, okay, yeah, sure, I'll call you tomorrow and we'll set the meeting. Open up your phones. Everybody has a calendar app on their phone today. Open up the phone, set the meeting there. Don't leave there without the meeting being set yeah. if, you can, if you can get it set, right? But the other thing, a little trick, and it's not really a trick, but when you're setting your upfront contract on the phone with the initial call and you're talking to the wife or you're talking to the husband, um, you might ask a question such as, so, so Mark, um, when you make your decision, obviously, to move forward, um, tell me a little bit about that decision process. Who else is involved in, in making the decision? Don't say, hey, Mark, are you the decision maker? Do you wear the pants in your family? Right, right. That right. may not go over so well. That might not go over so well. Uh, but say, tell me a little bit about your decision process. Who else is involved? And that might open the door for you to say, well, you know, my wife. I, yeah, my wife. Um, definitely involved. So you might even say then, Mark, does it make sense that when we schedule a meeting for me to come see you that, that she's there as well? Right. Right. So you can avoid that that at the end where they they can use that as an excuse to not to not proceed. So so if they do want to if if they're not ready to uh, sign that document at the end of that meeting um, and they prefer that you either leave it with them or send it to them later. uh, How do you handle that? Um, It depends what's in the document. If. Let's say it's, it's, a, it's a legal contract. It's basically, you know, you, it's, the, it's the contract that's, that binds them to you as their architect. Right. But there's nothing in there like as far as uh, the ideas, the concept, the, anything like that. Um, you know, typically if they're not ready and willing to sign it then, um, you know, if they want to think about it and if it's just a legalese, I don't necessarily see a big deal about leaving it. What I wouldn't leave is anything that talks about the scope of work. Anything that they can hold against you, anything that they can look at and then try and do the job without you, or anything that they can look at and give to the next guy that comes in and says, hey, we really like Mark's work, but he's really high priced. If you can beat his price and do this, we'll sign with you. Right, right. So you don't want to necessarily make their job easy. uh, But at the same time, you're giving them the opportunity to, when you talk about ballpark figures, um, um, it's... uh, you know, what do you think about that? Did, did that just blow you away? Um, so, you know, definitely different questions that you can ask. Um, yeah. Before you leave anything. So, if if they if you do leave the document there and you haven't mm-hmm. yet signed the, signed it, um, what would be your suggestion for following up with that document? Yeah. How, how long should we let it sit? You know, should we? be setting a second meeting or are we doing something over a telephone? How, how do we get that final signature? Yeah, you want clear next steps from them. And, and again, it goes back to if when you do the thermometer close and they say seven, they're not ready to sign anything. So I right. wouldn't even leave it. Right. Wouldn't even leave it. And you can even say that to the point of, wow, seven, that's very good. That's not very good. Right. Um, you know, uh, I, I guess I, I probably shouldn't even leave this with you. It doesn't make sense to leave it with you. It doesn't sound like uh, we're going to work together. Right? 
Um, and the way I'm saying it right now is you might say, wow, oh my God, he's just, that's so brazen. I, I, I could never say that. And you wouldn't say it like that. You'd soften it. You, you know, you'd, you'd use some techniques that we teach you, the, the song called the dummy curve or the Sandler sigh. We'd be like, <sighs> yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not sure, you know, we're a good fit. If I, if we're only got a seven, you want to struggle. You almost want to struggle a little right. bit. You want you want them to see you struggle. You're a little bit disappointed in your own process, in your own yeah. performance. And it's not about them. It's about you, and that you're a little disappointed with the fact that that you're not the right fit for them. Yeah, but you'll also find out when you use a, a negative reverse sell, like wow, a seven. You know, it sounds like we're not a good fit for one another. Um, um, and and then you take the thing away. Um, and then you say something to the effect of, uh, um, well, you know, if anything should change, please let me know. And then if they say like, oh, well, wait, wait, where are you going? Um, well, I'm a seven. I mean, you know, that's not good. Well, you're really a nine. I just don't want to tell you. I mean, you know, it's kind of like really getting to the point of when you take some, but something away from somebody that they want, right. They're going to want it back and they're going to fight for it back. Right. It's psychology. It's wait a minute. What? Um, they're they're going to fight for it back. So but if I'm only seven, I got it. I got it. Why do you need my contract if um, you're not ready to sign it and you're still talking to two or three other architects? Um, doesn't make sense that you need mine. Why, why would you need mine? Right. 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 So then you make the decision from that aspect. So what if we did leave it, though? What if we what if we left it? We were at yep. nine, but they, they didn't want to sign it. They wanted to review it. They wanted to spend some time looking at it, um, but they didn't want to sign it yet. Do we, yeah. do we call the next day? Do we wait a week? How do we, what do we do in, in terms of uh, follow-up? Yeah. Um, you, the expect, you set a clear future, and you say to them at the meeting, um, what's the next steps in your opinion? Um, you're going to review this with your wife. Uh, uh, when should we reconnect and reconvene um, and find out if we're moving forward? And, and set set that date again. Set right that there. date again. Okay, so we're gonna. I'm gonna leave this with you. Let's have another meeting in in three days. Uh, I, I wouldn't even offer that. I would say, uh, I would ask them. I would I would I would ask them leading questions of. Um, How long do you need? How long do you need? When should we touch base again? Right, right. And then set that date right there before you leave. Set it right then and there before you leave. And with the expectation that when I come back, they're going to sign this or it's going to be over and we'll be done and we'll move on. Correct. Yeah. All right. That's- and then, by the way, you can even say, again, more uncomfortable questions. Um, Mark, let me ask you a question. Um, do you see any reason... Because a nine's pretty good, Mark. Nine's pretty good. Um, do you foresee any reason, you know, after you speak with your your wife, as to why you wouldn't sign with us? Right. Give them an opportunity one more time to give you some more information. Yeah, and it's all about asking. So. Um, in your face that looks like you're a pushy used car salesman because you're not that's the exact antithesis of what of what we teach but we just teach you how to 
ask the right questions, but you're asking them in your style, your personality, right. your persona. Right. So when I'm doing this with you right now, I'm doing it in my persona, a Bronx born, Jersey raised, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you're going to adopt these because maybe my persona isn't going to work well in North Carolina in the good old South. Yeah. I'm a Jersey right? boy, though. So, yeah. <laughs> so you're going to adopt these and adapt them to match your your personality. We teach you how to do that. Right. Right. All right, that's uh, that's super helpful. I think uh, I think we learned a lot about sales. I think I think architects. They're one of the toughest things about being an architect is the sales process. I know for myself, uh, early on, I, I had everything down. You had the marketing system was figured out. I had a great uh, productivity system. I got the drawings done, um, but I I didn't have a sales system, and I didn't even realize I didn't have a sales system. It was it I. Everybody knew who we were. I'd go to the meetings. I'd leave them with the proposal, and then I'd go back and I'd wait for the phone to ring. Yeah. And that was my sales process, right? Yeah. And then very early on, I learned that there was a process that you would need to go through, like we just went through, um, in order to encourage people to sign with you. That they're looking for you to ask them to sign with you. You're asking for the sale. You want that to happen. Um, and this has been a great uh, process that people can use to. Uh, to to use for their firms and get get some more work you know actually get get some people to sign faster uh, more of the people that you really want to sign with you to sign uh, so yep. so I appreciate that Scott before we wrap up I want to ask you the question that I ask everybody here at the Entree Architect podcast what's one thing that a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow ah. Uh. I think the biggest thing, it goes back to mindset. Um, believe in yourself, believe in, in your work, believe in the service that you provide and believe in the value that your service provides and make sure that before you give away anything, you get all your questions answered first because once you give away the goods, they're not as eager to answer all your questions. But if they want something from you, they're going to answer your questions until they get what they want. All right. Very good advice. The website is MaximumPerformance.Sandler.com. And so, again, Scott is a Sandler sales trainer. You can hire him. You can go and, and go to MaximumPerformance.Sandler.com um, and, and uh, sign up with him for some training and some, some uh, consulting. But if you're a member... Scott's going to be with us. This is this is a little preview uh, to our expert training session on September 4th. Uh, we're going deeper. We're going to go through a sales process uh, with all the members at Entree Architect. So if you're not an, an, an Entree Architect member, uh, if you wanted to be at that expert training session, you need to join before September 4th. And you can do that at EntreeArchitect.com slash join. And you can sign up and join us for the expert training session. Um, I'm looking forward to that, Scott. Uh, this conversation has been super interesting. Um, I love talking about the process of marketing and the process of sales. I think it's so important that architects realize that there is a process, that there's a system that you need to go through. Whether it's a Sandler system or whether it's a system they create, it needs to be an intentional process that they go through uh, to get the work that they need to get in order to proceed and be, be successful. So. Thanks for sharing your knowledge here today, Scott, at Entree Architect Podcast. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for the time. 
So that was episode 285 with Scott Bliss of Sandler Sales Training. I love talking about the mindset of sales because I think that's one of the things that many architects are struggling with is they don't want to be this slimy salesperson, but that's not what it's about, right? It's about making um, a, a commitment to the people that you're working with and making the world a better place through the work that you do and getting paid for it, right? And so uh, this has been a great episode. If this is an episode that has resonated with you and you think that it might help some other architects, please share this episode. This is episode 285. The link to share is entrearchitect.com slash episode 285. Please do that. Hey, and go check out our membership at entrearchitect.com slash join. Uh, every month, we have a great expert trainer come in. Actually, uh, Scott was one of our trainers. And uh, every every month, we have 60-minute training uh, that goes in-depth on a specific topic with live Q&A. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. We do, uh, we do that every month. And then you have access to the full archive, over 50 of these now. Um, and so you can go and see all the different training sessions, uh, have access to pretty much anything that you need at this point. It's all there in the membership, entrearchitect.com slash join, plus so much more over there. Uh, but the, the training is really the, the, uh, the heart of that uh, membership. So go check that out, entrearchitect.com slash join. And if you are an entrepreneur architect who runs or owns your own small firm, then you are an entree architect. And I encourage you to go build a better business so you can be a better architect. Love, learn, and share. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.
calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. And so for me, the the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.